0: Well, who am I now? I'm no longer a wife. I don't feel like I fit into the social circles that I've been a part of. I feel like an outlier in the mom groups. What do I even enjoy? Why do I feel a bit lost, like I need to find myself again? If any of these thoughts have crossed your mind as you find yourself navigating this whole divorce thing, then this episode is for you. This is Divorced and Determined AF, the show that supports women with the information they need to know before, during, and beyond divorce. My name is Jamie Milam, and I am determined to empower you to live the life that you desire and deserve through the power of awareness and aligned action. And I think it's so important for you to know that this is normal for us to feel a little lost and having to relearn who we are. It's natural to feel like a bit of our identity has been taken away when we are now suddenly single again, especially depending on the length of your marriage. But I want to help you avoid the crisis part of an identity crisis so that you can navigate it more peacefully. And joining me today to help with that is a licensed clinical counselor, Emily Reiner. As a queer woman, as a veteran, and as someone who has deeply questioned and explored her own identity, she's really developed her expertise around helping others honor and embrace themselves through a process of curiosity and finding new ways to thrive. So today, she's going to share with us what it is that we tend to contribute to our identity. But spoiler alert, it's not actually what makes up our identity. And why divorce is a natural trigger for a feeling of a sense of identity loss, what we can do to prevent the crisis mode, and ways that you can reconnect with yourself at a deeper level so you'll know who you are regardless of the role you're fulfilling. And just a quick reminder before we begin. We have more guides on topics like mindset, financial, and even legal considerations over in the resource library at peaceofminddivorce.info. Sign up for free today. Now, let's get started. Divorce is an overwhelming process that most of us did not know how to navigate until we were in the thick of it, which can cost us a lot more time, money, and energy than necessary. Divorced and Determined AF hopes to change that. I'm your host, Jamie Milam. I'm a realtor and a certified divorce specialist who not only works with divorcing couples when selling their home, but I am also divorced and I know firsthand how much having thorough resources would positively impact women for years to come. I'm bringing together fellow divorcees and experts working in the field to talk about this private taboo topic, all with the goal to help you feel prepared, educated, assured, confident, and empowered to make informed decisions related to your divorce journey. So whether you're just now considering a divorce, in the midst of it, or are now navigating a new norm and are determined AF to do it your way, this is your safe space. You deserve it. Emily, I am so glad to bring you in on this conversation today, particularly because I know that you can bring a layered perspective to this conversation, and I think that's going to be really helpful for the women listening today. So since today we are talking a bit about identity crisis, as it pertains, of course, to divorce specifically. I still think it might be helpful to start by laying some groundwork around what identity crisis is, given that it really can, in fact, happen to people in all walks of life and really in any sort of transitional season. So can we start there, if you don't mind, like with what an identity crisis really is and maybe some potential causes for it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the idea of an identity crisis really needs to be backed up further into our understanding of what identity is. So, Jamie, if I were to ask you, who are you? Generally, what I get is a name while I'm Jamie and a career, right? That's just labels. So when I work with clients and I work around the concept of identity, that is one of the first questions that I ask them. I say, you know, list out the things that make you you. And it becomes this really convoluted process of, okay, this is the label. I'm a, I'm a mom. I'm a yogi. I'm an only child. And so it becomes this fun little game that all my clients hate that I do, but I start poking holes in all of these labels that they've associated with their identity. Well, you're not Jamie. That's just your name. Who are you? Well, I'm a real estate agent that's your career. Who are you? Well, I'm a gym rat. Okay, that's what you enjoy to do. Who are you? Right? So I almost create identity crises in my clients in an attempt to navigate this concept. So what I found is when I work with clients around the concept of identity, a lot of times what we understand identity to be is actually just labels that either we've given ourselves that have been assigned to us that we feel like we've earned. And so when we strip those away, the idea of an identity crisis is when one of those is taken from us, especially a label that we've given a lot of power to. Mm. So let's say I go from being a single woman Mm. to a married woman. What does that look like? Let's say I go from being a toddler mom to now a school-aged mom. What does that look like? I'm still a mom, but the label has changed because the role within that label has changed. Oh, I've gone from employed to unemployed. What does that look like? So the idea of an identity crisis is generally this idea when a label that we've given a lot of power to has been stripped away from us. And that creates such anxiety because we've learned to associate labels with our identity in the core of who we are.
0: Whew. Okay. Well, Emily, we're just diving right into the powerful stuff, (laughs) aren't we? I mean, you know, I think in preparation even for today's conversation, I did a standard, okay, what does Webster say identity crisis is? And it's this personal inner conflict when you feel like a social role and often even the sense of loss of continuity to one's personality has, has left you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that sounds very cold and everything that you just said, really like a label that we've given a lot of power to it hits hard because a lot of women, especially who may be listening, you hit it on the head. It's I am, I'm a wife, I'm a mother. Mm -hmm. right? We think about these things. And I personally can extremely relate to that transition of a mom. And that's something that I'm working on right now too, is when you strip away this label as a mom, I'm not going to stop being a mom when my son goes off to college. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: why am I having such a hard time wondering like how I'm going to be and who I'm going to be when he's gone? Mm -hmm. Because. It's still me. I'm still here. And so there's some layers to that. And it's the same with being a, a wife or having your identity labeled to a career, because I can relate. After my own divorce and how I approached my business, it completely changed. I have always been known to be a hustler since I became a mom, you know, really mm-hmm. just keep go, go, going everything I could do to keep growing. And I've always kind of identified myself as, yeah, I just like to be busy and to keep growing and to do as best as I can. And after my divorce, it that continued for several months until one day it didn't. And mm-hmm. that coincided with a few other events and I wasn't sure which one it was, but ultimately I think... I started to realize I wanted to explore joy in other ways, and it really made me start to wonder, have I just been in this go, go, go mode, in this hustle mode, this hustle mentality as a distraction from my marriage, or is that even really a part of who I am? Mm -hmm. And I would say for about a year, I was in that space. So, I mean, do you think that this is something that's
1: avoidable or that can happen in someone's life more than once? Oh, it can absolutely happen more than once. And totally avoidable, maybe. So maybe not avoidable in terms of questioning, but it can be avoided in the sense of creating a crisis. Because really what it comes down to is preventative care. If I'm comfortable on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly basis, examining myself and saying, okay, what labels have shown up recently? What labels have I given a lot of power to? Really recognizing the breadth and the dynamic nature of identity. Then when one label falls off, it's not going to create such a big impact. So when I do identity work, both with myself and with my clients, that's what it's about. It's about detaching the power of the label and creating a lot of intention around I get to choose what labels I put power into. I get to choose how I use my labels to show up in the world. And so preventative in, in the case of, okay, well, now this label's fallen off. I don't have to go into a crisis mode. I don't have to feel like my life is falling apart because I know that I have a lot of power in this situation and it doesn't change. You said it directly, who I am when I went through my divorce, I went through something very similar. I had to re-examine my life. I had to look through how I was showing up in the world and things changed. And I had to question, I had to get curious about that, but I'm still me. And if I can fall back on that comfort and that knowledge, then I avoid a lot of the anxiety that can come with a traditional identity crisis.
0: Well, and I think even the phrase identity crisis, if I'm honest, it kind of sounds like A label in itself, Mm -hmm. you know, when really it is a matter of just kind of questioning parts of us in a transition or in a new season and in our new surroundings, even. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe it's helpful for anybody that's listening, you know, as we kind of alluded to here, as you transition from being a married individual to now being single, obviously. That is a transition, and you might have a hard time figuring out how to go out and do things on your own or to mm-hmm. rebuild friendships or to start friendships. You know, some folks have been a little bit more isolated than others. Mm-hmm. And then, even for myself, as I prepare to be an empty nester later this year, I'm really questioning that part of like, who am I after? Uh, when you strip away my full-time parenting responsibility. And again, I know at my highest self that I'm still a mom, but Mm -hmm. I still ask myself if I'm not his full-time caregiver, making all of my own decisions. I've given so much power to everything that I do. All of my hustle is because I'm doing it for him. Mm -hmm. Whenever I've gone through hard stuff, such as my divorce, when I felt like I was just going to fall apart, one of the things that kept it together was – you're not being strong just for you. You're being strong for him too. And just because he goes off to college doesn't mean I don't still want to model that for him. But there's this fear that I have inside of my head that says, am I going to have the same motivation? Am I Mm going to have the same self-discipline? Am I going to have the same fulfillment if I've been doing it all for him? And I know at my highest self, Emily, that There's nobody making me do these things. There's nobody forcing me. There's Mm -hmm. nobody holding me accountable to them. So I know that it's my own behavior, but what are some other ways that this sense of questioning self might show up? I just want to make sure that somebody can relate, right? Because it might not show up the same for them. And these labels, I think, is something that a lot of women do, especially. So are there any other ways that you can think of that, you know, a sense of an identity crisis might be showing up in their life? Like how that presents itself?
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So if we kind of specifically think about women who are going through separation or divorce and that process, and it can show up in other ways, but this idea of this lack of individuality. And that's something that you allude to is I'm doing this all for your child. So that can also show up in terms of, okay, well, look at what happens through marriage. A name change potentially. I'm no longer associated with my name. I go from Emily Reiner to, let's say I take in my ex's name. Okay, well now I have a different last name and now I have to change that back. It's this integration that naturally occurs when we become partners with someone that's not inherently negative. But even the power of language, think about it goes from, oh, I do this to we enjoy this, right? We bought a home. We're expecting. And so even the language can trigger this idea of an identity crisis if it's no longer a we activity. It's no longer a we drive. Now I have to shift and do things for myself. Now I have to shift and figure out what activities I enjoy doing because maybe some of those activities are associated with really negative feelings now. They're associated with grief. We used to go out to the movies every Friday. That used to be something that gave me joy, and now I don't want to go to the movies because it's associated with grief. So now I have to re-explore my own interests Re explore my own hobbies because I'm an individual, first and foremost, that we is taken away from me, whether by choice or not. So it's not just a, oh, okay, I'm doing it for someone else. It's also the removal of partnership. Mm-hmm. I have to re examine who I am standing on my own.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you do join lives together, you mm-hmm. know, into a partnership. And Over time, you do hopefully have the ability and opportunity to learn to rely on your partner for help and for support, Mm -hmm. whether you have an expanded family unit or not. It's help around the house. It's help with the kids. It's just somebody to talk to after a long, hard day. Mm -hmm. And then when you are alone and you don't have that, it starts to feel odd. You know, even maybe in suburbia, you know, like now if you stay in suburbia after a divorce, that can feel weird and you're like yeah. what am i doing mm-hmm. like this isn't fun for me to be around all of the husbands and wives and their family units because you don't necessarily identify with that anymore mm-hmm. yeah i can definitely see how it's even that language um so okay so if somebody's noticing or feeling these things then What do we do with that, right? It can seem like an easy downward spiral if we're not careful, and it can really lead to some self-isolation. So Mm -hmm. are there some best practices for navigating this?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So avoid self-isolation, number one. It becomes this really interesting exercise in curiosity, Curiosity is a word that a lot of my clients get sick of me saying because I'm always like, get curious about it, get curious about it. But that really is best practice. Be curious about yourself. Be curious about what it is you enjoy. Maybe it's reconnecting to an old label that existed prior to the relationship. Maybe it's being curious about, oh, I've always wanted to X, Y, Z travel, try pottery, yoga, tightrope walking. Be curious about those things that may spark a new sense of joy and a new label or interest or hobby or connection or community. Being connected, trying things on. This goes back to the concept that I talked about labels as we seem to figure out at a young age that labels are our identity and they're not. When we're able to think in that mindset that labels are just things that we try on or they can just be things that we try on, that opens our world to that concept of curiosity. I don't have to be a painter, an artist, in order to try on the label of, okay, I'm painting. I'm a person who enjoys art. And that's something that I'm going to try on and see if it serves me. So curiosity is the number one thing that I encourage all my clients to do when they're struggling with identity. Be curious. Try things on. If it fits, it fits. If you enjoy how it makes you feel, you enjoy it without that pressure of, okay, well, now I have to integrate this into my identity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So be curious. I heard you say avoid self-isolation. Any tips on how to do that?
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, community is a great thing. I know that's really hard in this day and age. And this distance connection of social media and online presence, it can be really hard to feel connected in a true way, especially if we're going through divorce. And a lot of our friendships were, oh, they're our friends. That can be a huge process of grieving and trying to navigate that. But connection, community, If you don't have friends or you're trying to make friends, go out, be bold, do a meetup group, join a class, figure out how to stay connected to something, whether it's an individual person, whether it's family, whether it's community, volunteer at an animal shelter, something to stay connected with something beyond yourself.
0: Yeah. And I think that when we think about community, it can be hard, like you just said, like if Your friends have been kind of couple friends. Mm -hmm. There's this weird sense of feeling like your friends are having to choose between you Mm -hmm. or your spouse. And we take on that feeling of responsibility. And really, it's not our responsibility. It's the other people's responsibility to decide to, one, be an adult and let it go and and still be there for people individually. But also... If you are wanting to go out and meet new people that might be in similar situations, it can be difficult because you're in a place that's vulnerable and hard to trust people. Okay. Uh, but I will say that there are a ton more women out there than you think that might be in similar situations and really you would be able to resonate with on a very quick basis. Mm-hmm. Another idea of community that some people might not think of immediately when you say not self-isolating and even if it's connecting to one person or having that safe space, I encourage people that in the beginning, especially if you cannot get yourself out with people, have a weekly therapist session because it is a container for you to still be able to address these issues that are coming up and that's an important safe space to do that and the more that you do that then the more confident you can start to feel to get, put yourself mm-hmm. out there in other ways and for me the curiosity and the community i reconnected with music with edm music in mm-hmm. fact and, and and it took a a friend to get me out the first time sure. and it was like oh Wow, like I totally forgot how much I love this and this is fueling my soul. In fact, just this morning I booked tickets to a show in DC and it's I never really feel concerned like if I have to go do that by myself. I just went to a show last weekend by myself mm-hmm. because my friends are like you're going to a show that starts at 11 p.m. So what are you, what? Like no, <laughs> I don't want to go do that. And so in order for me to still connect in the way that I enjoy not needing it to be a big social thing, but it's fueling myself, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. able to feel grounded and really present in that moment. And just looking around me and seeing other people enjoying it to me, that makes me feel like I'm part of a community that is genuinely just connecting with themselves and with this music. And I find just so much peace in that. And I think that we can rediscover these things and teach ourselves that we can do some of the things that we've always wanted to do, but maybe our partner didn't want to do them or Mm -hmm. maybe there was some language in your relationship that gave you this default narrative that led you to believe that you weren't capable of it. Mm -hmm. And I encourage women listening to take the leap take a step into it. Even if it's I'm too scared to travel by myself right now, let me look for some blog articles about women traveling by themselves. Or are there groups out there, and the answer is yes, of solo female travelers that I could travel with that Mm -hmm. would make me feel safer? Just do a little bit of research. And maybe by reading up on it a little bit more, it might start helping that confidence for you to explore that part of you. Is there anything else that you can think of that helps us kind of navigate that to not go down that rabbit hole of the crisis aspect, but also navigate reconnecting with
1: our sense of self? Yeah. I mean, that's such a broad question because it's going to be different for everyone. For some people – writing is really, really helpful. And so I have clients who love to journal and that's how they've reconnected and explored themselves and had conversations with the different parts of themselves. For other people, it's a little more fluid. Maybe it's through art or dance. You know, you talk about connecting with EDM and music and and that just purely physical sensation of being in a crowd, listening to really simulating music. Sometimes that does it. So the answer is going to be very different to probably each and every person listening. But it, it comes back, I feel like, a broken record. It comes back to that curiosity. Try things on. Sit with yourself. Think about things that worked for you in the past. Try them on. Maybe they still work. Maybe they don't. And that's okay. We're allowed to try something on and it not feel right anymore. That's totally fine. It's about that self-compassion of being willing to try these new things and and maybe look a little silly, or maybe mess up once or twice, or, you know, maybe you book a trip and you absolutely hate it. That's okay. You know, finding the humor, finding the, the interesting parts of it, getting what you can from it. Be silly, be humorous, be curious. I find
0: it funny you saying that because Sometimes I think that personal stories help women resonate and be like, okay, yeah, it's not just me. But I just alluded to it a moment ago of, you know, sometimes you build this default narrative um, of yourself and maybe some of your personality traits because they are mirrored back to you or said to you over and over. And one of those things for me was that I'm not a spontaneous person, because I am a massive planner. I really am. Mm-hmm. And especially for something big, a big commitment or a big investment, I really want to know how are we going to get the most value out of this? Like, mm-hmm. are we able to strategize to make the most out of it? And so for me, one of those things was a uh, girlfriend and I had booked a trip and last minute we needed to get it canceled, but I still already had that week covered for childcare. And so I wasn't willing to just like not go anywhere. So I decided, (laughs) okay, well, I'm going to pivot and I'm going to book a trip to Amsterdam. And all I did was book the flight and I booked the hotel. I didn't book anything else. I didn't really have an itinerary. I kind of let it be. And then about three, four days before my trip, I was like, oh, I better go on and book my Museum tickets, at least, because Amsterdam at the time was still in a partial lockdown. And I was okay with that. It was a little bit more for rest and relaxation and just connection with myself. Well, I noticed on one of the websites, it said due to the new COVID guidelines, all museums are closed or whatever. I'm like, wait, what? And so then I do a quick Google search and there were riots happening in Amsterdam that weekend. And everything had gone back to full lockdown and I melted down for about Mm -hmm. 15 minutes. I'm like, man, like I can't, I can't go. Like I won't feel safe if there's riots happening and I'm going by myself for the first time to Europe. Like Mm -hmm. I can't do that. And I'm already sacrificing all of this stuff, but I was so dead set on taking this trip because I felt so excited about the fact that I had booked it and I didn't really like dig into it. I didn't have a whole huge plan. And this One part of my brain said, see, Jamie, this is what happens when you don't have it planned out. You didn't take the time Mm -hmm. to look ahead and advance. You would have seen that they were locked down. Mm -hmm. And then I said to myself, okay, but if you really want to show yourself that you can take this trip, where else can you go? And I pivoted everything. And I'm like, I am ready to see what I can learn about myself doing this. So I pivoted everything, and within a 24-hour time frame, I had everything pivoted to Italy and quickly mapped out a rough sketch of everything that I wanted to do and how I was going to get to each place. And if I'm going to go to Italy, I'm going to go to more than one city. So I you know, booked my Airbnbs and all this stuff, and then I show up to Milan, and my luggage doesn't show up with me. And I just Naturally. look up at the sky, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, universe, you hear me, Faye? You want to know what you can learn about yourself, Jamie? well, Mm -hmm. here we go. Let's start. (laughs) And I just couldn't help but laugh. I was like, this is ridiculous. And it ended up being the best mistake that could have happened for me Mm -hmm. because now I've learned not to carry a 45-pound bag with me overseas. Now (laughs) I've learned that, oh, most of Europe doesn't have an elevator and you're going to have a lot of stairs to carry a (laughs) 45-pound bag. And by the way, Uh there might not be you know air conditioning or something. You're going to be sweating or whatever. It was just Okay. All right. So I learned Mm -hmm. a lot more about myself than I had even signed up for. And Mm -hmm. you're right. It's like sometimes you just have to say, let me just try it and see. And if the thing about it was, I'm not dying to see Amsterdam. And I'm not dying to show myself and prove to myself that I'm not a planner because I am. I am a planner. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. I plan for spontaneous days. I plan for white space so that way then I can do whatever comes up. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel at peace. But it wasn't about trying to prove that I wasn't a planner. It was about proving to myself that I could do things independently Mm -hmm. and I think that makes me want to ask you, Emily, because we've talked about what identity isn't when we think about it being labels. We're so used to it being, I'm a planner, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a realtor, I'm a podcast host. But if, if identity isn't labels, how would you say that we do figure out what our identity is?
1: That's a million-dollar question, isn't it? And the truth is... I don't know that anyone knows that answer. I don't think there is one answer. When I do identity exercises with my clients, just like I said, I I ask them, tell me all the things that make you, you. And then I very meanly, my clients will say, go through and I poke holes in all their answers. And so they look at me generally as as this look of, what the heck, Emily? (laughs) Okay, who am I? And I sit back and I say, yeah, that's the question. Who are you? People come up with all sorts of of answers. And it's not really about what identity is in general. It's about what identity is to you. If we think about identity as this multifaceted experience, it becomes really beautiful. I usually use this concept of a prism or a crystal where these labels are the different facets that we chip into us. And it's not just the crystal that we are, it's also the light, the light that shines through and it changes depending on how we shift our crystal, depending on what facets we chip into ourselves. So what are we? I don't know. I'm a lot of different things. Am I the culmination of my experiences? Maybe but what if I get amnesia? Am I no longer myself?
0: That's a really
1: great question. What
0: if I get amnesia? Because I was about to ask you if there are any favorite journal prompts that you like to be able to help your clients kind of work through poking the holes in it. You know what I'm saying? Because that's Mm -hmm. something that I'm currently doing is when you strip away that full-time parenting caregiver responsibility, who else am I? Not what do I do as like Mm -hmm. a service or a professional or for people but when you strip that away what am I and what's left behind Mm -hmm. and so I think that's a great question to ask yourself like if I had amnesia who do I think I would still be what characteristics would still show up because they're innately a part of me and now obviously (laughs) coming from a medical space like not ever had amnesia. I don't know what it's like on that side (laughs) of the brain to know like what you are or are not capable of, but the Mm -hmm. concept of it from a high level, I feel like is a good way to consider that. So are Mm -hmm. there any other journal prompts that you do help them with to poke holes in it or go to questions that you ask them to help them get curious about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually crafted a, a mini journal that has a few different exercises and prompts to just kind of be a little taste test and just starting this curiosity and this exploration. It is available on my website. And if you're listening to the podcast and use the code AF 2024 you can get it for free. But it's just a beginning taste of what labels am I ascribing to myself and how is that impacting me? And I encourage anyone who does go through this process to not just think about the label, But also, Jamie, you alluded to this earlier, the roles that we associate with these labels. So if I'm me and then I have this label of mom, the roles within that label shift and change, even if the label doesn't. You go from being an infant mom to a toddler mom to a school-age mom to a teenage mom to an empty nester mom to a grandmom. So also thinking through how the roles within these labels change and shift and morph and what we want them to look like. We have a lot of power over this experience that is identity.
0: Many people may not have ever really connected this and maybe have never even really flat out stated it, but part of the reason why Determined AF has been a part of the name of Well, was the name of the original show and is still a part of our name today, Divorced and Determined AF, is because working with one of my coaches, that was something that I had identified as something that I I really felt connected to, is Mm -hmm. through all of my different seasons, from living on my own since 15, to finding out that I was pregnant, to then wanting to go back to school, having daycare, working two jobs... To then, you know, being a mom of a teenager and figuring out Italy and figuring out how to launch a podcast. If if I put my eyes on something, I'm determined to get it done. Mm -hmm. Just like if I'm wanting to explore Italy or any other country because I'm curious about what that's going to say and show me about myself, well, then I'm determined as hell to make that happen. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and just do it, even if it means a lot less planning and pivoting and having a little bit of or a lot of bit of stress in a short period of time to then have a week of just fascination and exploration and peace that suddenly shined a whole new light within this crystal of myself of what else I might really enjoy Mm -hmm. in life and what else I might really want to work for and towards as I do start to transition into a different responsibility within this mom label role. and. When we think through those characteristics, if I thought about who would I be or what would I be if I had amnesia and forgot what I did for a living or where I was living and if I was a mom or not, I really would love to think that I would still be determined as fuck to figure it out, to Mm -hmm. find a new path, to create a new path. And I hope anybody listening is also willing to – embrace a little piece of that self-identity too, because this is a new path and it can be a very beautiful one. Nobody Mm -hmm. else is going to create it for you. It's your journey to create and it's your journey to get to explore. And I feel like if we can explore and embrace our true self, like our deepest and truest values, our needs, our desires, then that is what's truly empowering. That is where aligned living comes to fruition. So as we wrap, Emily, let me ask you for anybody listening today that wants to kind of join me in this journey of also being determined to embrace their true self and Mm -hmm. really feel confident in who they are. What's the one thing that you want them to walk away with?
1: I want them to walk away with The knowledge that no matter what has happened to them, no matter what path they decide to take or switch backs or travel back down the path and then try a new path, the key element is to do it for yourself. Honor yourself. Have compassion for yourself. I sign off with all my clients saying, be kind to yourself. That's what's important. It's not the label. It's not the choices. It's not even the concept of identity any more than am I showing up today and am I honoring myself? Am I showing up and am I being kind to myself? And Am I showing up and I'm being aligned to what's important to me and what's valuable to me?
0: Yeah. When you embrace that and you honor that, mm-hmm. you can see then that there's power in being able to do that from day to day because mm-hmm. it might change tomorrow. Yeah. And that's okay.
1: Yeah. You're allowed to
0: change interests. You're allowed to change seasons and Mm -hmm. you're allowed to go back to something different. And I think that that is a very empowering way to look at it and Mm -hmm. absolutely be kind to yourself. Is it just me or are you feeling nice and calm after listening to Emily? It's always reassuring knowing the emotional roller coaster that we're riding in this journey is so normal. My biggest takeaway from this conversation was this concept of feeling like our identity is directly tied to these labels that we've given too much power to. When really, labels are just something that we do or we enjoy or a role that we serve. The best way to avoid a downward spiral here is first and foremost, avoid self isolation whether that is by getting out and doing new things or by finding a community to be a part of. Figure out how to stay connected to something that fills you up. The key practice to truly understanding your identity is to be curious about yourself. What is it that you're questioning? What power are you giving to any labels? When you strip away the roles, what's underneath that sticks with you regardless the environment or dynamic that you're in? Be curious about what it is that you enjoy Labels are just things that we try on that opens up our world to that concept of curiosity. Journaling can help you explore those parts of you. And Emily has graciously provided us with her Identified Self mini journal to get you started. You can download your free copy in the show notes and use the code that is provided. And as always, I invite you to check out our multitude of divorce-related resources over at peaceofminddivorce.info where you can access our full resource library that grows each week. The link is in the show notes for you to sign up today. And ladies, be kind to yourself.